0: Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 191 of the Employment Law and HR podcast. I'm your host Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice where together with my colleagues we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. Now, before I get into this week's featured content, I do just want to give a bit of an advertisement and a bit of a plug for the fantastic service that myself and my colleagues provide to businesses. We have a service known as our HR Harbour, which is a membership service for businesses, which comes in three different levels. There's silver, gold and platinum, depending on the level of service you required. And within those packages, those membership levels, we provide ongoing advice and support to you and your business. And if you have internal HR or someone in the business dealing with HR, then we'll provide support and assistance to them along the way. It provides many of our businesses with some reassurance to know that we're on the end of the phone or email to answer any queries that may arise. And it is a very reasonable cost for the service and there are fixed fees for each level of membership. So it's not based on the number of employees that you have or the size of your business. If you'd like more information or to get a no obligation quote from us, then do email me. It's allison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk or alternatively, you can call the main number here on 01983 897 003 and speak to the lovely Kathy, who'll be happy to put you through to one of our solicitors for an initial chat. So now, after my little plug there for our fantastic service, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. This week's episode of the podcast is going to be the start of a mini-series dealing with all aspects of the employment tribunal. So what it takes to bring a claim, how to defend a claim and all of the stages in between, hopefully giving you a step-by-step guide to the key points that you need to know if you are involved in an employment tribunal. So in this first episode of the mini-series I'm going to be talking about starting a claim and defending a claim. So when an employee has a potential claim against their employer that they want to make a claim in the employment tribunal, they would need to go through the ACAS early conciliation process first to obtain an early conciliation certificate from ACAS. Now, this process is a free service that ACAS offer. It can be started by filling out a form online and it's a fairly simple form to complete. Then an ACAS officer contacts the employee. And ask for more information and then ask them if they wish to try to settle the claim. Now if an employee decides at that stage or even before that that they don't want to go through with a conciliation process or they don't want to try to settle the case or perhaps they've already tried to settle the case and have got nowhere with the employer without using ACAS then they can ask for the ACAS officer to issue the certificate immediately In this circumstance where the certificate is issued immediately without any contact to the employer. It may be that as the employer you don't know that the individual is going to make an employment tribunal claim until you actually receive the claim form from the employment tribunal. So whilst ACAS early conciliation is a compulsory process in the majority of cases An employee only needs to obtain the certificate from ACAS and doesn't have to actually try to negotiate or mediate their claims. So you may not know before the employment tribunal claim lands on your door or in your email that there is actually a prospect of a claim. In the vast majority of cases, employees will, however, want to try to conciliate or use ACAS's services to try to resolve matters. So you will hear about it from ACAS first. The reason why an individual has to go through the ACAS process, as I say, is to obtain the certificate and the certificate number, which is a requirement for the employment claim form. So the individual would have to put that detail onto the claim form when they submit their claim to the employment tribunal. In most cases, The individual will not be able to start the claim unless they have this certificate number from ACAS first. I'm often asked by employers who don't hear about the ACAS early conciliation process if it's something that they can complain about or include in their defence form. And the answer to that is unfortunately no. Because there's no requirement on the individual to try to negotiate or conciliate their potential claims, you can't then complain about it to the employment tribunal. Um, if you add it into your defence, it's not really going to be regarded in relation to the individual's claims. So it's really not worth even putting it in there. The early conciliation process lasts For up to six weeks. So that's how long the ACAS officer has to deal with the issue. So in this situation where an individual does want to try to negotiate, the ACAS officer has six weeks to try and resolve matters between the parties. And whilst ACAS early conciliation is ongoing, the time limit for the individual's claim is paused. So as you probably know, an employee only has three months in most cases to bring a claim against their former employer. But in the early conciliation process, that three-month time limit is paused and therefore the time limit is extended. After early conciliation has been completed, the individual employee would need to complete a form known as an ET1, um, claim form which they can do online. And the form can be found on the .gov.uk website. So it's .gov.uk forward slash employment hyphen tribunal. And on that page is the guidance on how to make a claim and a link to make the claim online. An individual can also make a claim by post if they wish, by downloading, completing the form and then sending it by post to the Tribunal Central Office for England and Wales, which is based in Leicester, or the Tribunal Central Office in Scotland, which is based in Glasgow. In my experience, most people will complete the claim form online now, because it is a fairly simple and straightforward way to do it. It just takes you through various boxes as you go through each page of the claim form, and it can be saved as you go, and you can return to it later on. Within the claim form, it will ask for various information about the individual's employer, how long they were employed for, what their pay was, how many hours they worked, what other benefits or pension they received. It will also ask information about whether they worked to notice or were paid for notice. And then it will go on to ask about what type of claim the individual is making. And there are various tick boxes depending on the claims that are being made, and then boxes where the individual can add additional information about their claim. Now, if you're listening to this and you're an employee and you're thinking about making a claim in the employment tribunal, it's really important to make sure that you are ticking the correct boxes for the claims that you wish to make. If you fail to tick a box, And you don't put specific information within the additional information in your claim form. It may be very difficult for you to then introduce that claim later on. So, for example, let's say you tick the box that says unfair dismissal, but you also think you have a claim for discrimination and you failed to tick the discrimination box. But then in the details of your claim, you outline why you think you were unfairly dismissed and then you set up why you think you were discriminated against. In that scenario you've already set out the information whilst you may not have ticked the box you have set out the information of your claim and it'll be much easier for that to be dealt with by the employment tribunal than if you fail to tick the box and don't add any information in your basis of claim. Now often I see in claim forms either the individual fails to put enough information about the reasons for their claim or they put way too much information and things that are completely irrelevant are included. It's important that you, wherever you can, especially if you're acting for yourself, I know it's difficult, you try to particularise what it is you're claiming. So give the key facts and information about what you want to claim and why you are claiming, for example, unfair dismissal. So give the dates and times and details about what took place within the details of claim now you may find on the claim form that you're filling out online the boxes aren't big enough and there is additional pages that you can continue on to later on now if you are using the boxes to add the additional information on the form i recommend that you use paragraph numbers so Start with one, obviously, and then put the detail and then a new paragraph two, so that the paragraphs are numbered and it makes it much easier to refer to later on. Now, ideally, and this is what we do as solicitors and practitioners, is to complete a separate Word document in paragraph format, which is the details of claim. And what we would do is on the claim form, in those boxes where it asks for additional information, we would put please see attached details of claim. And then we would set that out in a Word document because it's much easier to refer to later on. It's much easier for all the parties and the tribunal to refer to than going in the form where, as I say, it's limited information, limited space, should I say, and it's more difficult to format it in a way that it's easy to read. So you don't have to add a separate details of claim, but that's what us as solicitors do because it makes it much easier to refer to. If you decide to do a separate Word document with the details of claim then again I recommend that you use paragraph numbering and that you use at least 1.5 spaces between the lines to make it easier to read and include page numbers. Ideally you should put the names of the party so yourself and against whichever name of your employer or if there's more than one person the name of the people on there and they're called the respondents and then you put that detail at the top, just to be clear that it's related to that particular claim. Now, when you come to finalize the claim form, it will ask you if you want to attach any additional information. And that's the point at which you add the separate word document that you've created the details of claim. And what the employment tribunal need is it into the format of what is called an RTF file. Now, don't ask me what RTF file means. I'm not an IT expert, I'm afraid, but I do know that you have to basically convert your Word document into an RTF file and save it as an RTF file before you can upload it to the online claim form. Now, when you go to save the document, you can do save as, and then if you scroll down the list in Microsoft Word, it does say RTF file. So it's quite easy to do. You don't need any separate software if you're using Microsoft Word. And that's what I use, I have to say, is that save it in Word for myself and then I'll convert it, the final version to an RTF file, and save it in RTF file, then upload that to the claim form. Now, it's important to check that it is uploaded. And also, again, the reason why you put in the boxes where it asks for additional information, please see... Attached details of claim is because in the event that your details of claim for whatever reason doesn't upload successfully or is not attached then you can then bring that to the attention of the tribunal later on. The system now is a lot smoother than it was in the past and so it is fairly easy to do and you can actually see that it's uploaded when you go back over and review your claim form before submitting it. But what you note is that when you receive back a copy of the claim form, so there's an automatic response once it's been sent, and you receive a copy of the claim form, it doesn't include the separate file. So often people are worried because they get a copy of the form back automatically, but not the details of claim in the separate document. Um, don't panic about that because that's standard. It seems to be the case for whatever reason, it doesn't send back the attachments with it. But if you are worried, then you can always contact the employment tribunal just to confirm that your details of claim have been received with it. But as I say, when you're going through the process of uploading all the information, finalising the claim form, you can normally see quite clearly that it's there. Now, once you receive acknowledgement that the claim form has reached the employment tribunal, that isn't necessarily the situation that your case has been accepted because the claim then normally goes to a judge to review and you'll then receive an acknowledgement of claim to confirm that the case has been accepted by the employment tribunal. Now, that can take sometimes a couple of weeks to come through. So, If when you're submitting your claim form, you don't receive a receipt or you are worried about it being submitted correctly in any way at all, it's important to get in touch with the employment tribunal as soon as you can, just to speak to someone and clarify, because in the event that you haven't done everything correctly in terms of uploading the information, then it may be that when you realize that there was an error, your claims are then out of time. It is a fairly smooth process, as I say, so it shouldn't be a problem, but it may take a couple of weeks before you receive the acknowledgement of claim, by which time your time limit may have passed and it may be difficult to then resurrect things and bring things in. If you are making a claim on your own, it may be, if you're worried about it, that you try to seek some advice or at least perhaps invest in some assistance from a legal professional in submitting the claim. I often say to people if you're confident in dealing with things yourself and you're happy to proceed with the claim then you can do so thereafter but it's often worth investing a bit of money in getting some help with the claim form to make sure that that's right because it is the foundation of your case because the time limits are so strict and because the jurisdictional issues that arise mean that sometimes the employment tribunal may not accept your claims or there may be errors which are unresolvable later on. Now once your case has been accepted by the employment tribunal they will then send a copy to the respondent so that's the employer the person that you're making the claim against. And for the employers who are listening, if you receive the claim form, it normally comes through by post in the first instance. And you will receive a copy of the acknowledgement of claim, you'll receive a copy of the claim form and any details of claim, and details about what you have to do to defend it. Now it's important to note that you only have 28 days to submit your defence to the employment tribunal. So when you get the paperwork, don't sit on it, because it may be if there have been any delays in the post, that you've already lost a few days that you have in which to make your defence to the Employment Tribunal. So certainly don't procrastinate about it. Don't put it in a drawer and think it's going to go away. If you don't defend it and you don't submit your defence in time, then there is a possibility that the Employment Tribunal may make a judgment against you in your absence, in absence of your defence. Now when it comes to defending a claim, similar things apply in relation to the practicalities of it. So you can complete the paper copy of the form which you receive with the claim form and return that to the employment tribunal by post. Now once the claims have been submitted and acknowledged, they are then normally allocated to a local administration center of a tribunal. So for example, Locally to me most of our cases end up at the Southampton Employment Tribunal and they are dealt with administratively by Bristol Employment Tribunal. So you will then receive in your pack of information details about where the case has been allocated to and so if you are returning the claim form by post you need to check exactly where you're sending it to. Now in my view post is fine if you've got lots of time and you want to pay for recorded or signed for delivery to make sure that it's you need to make sure that it's going to be received within time and uh, in the right place because you don't want to one miss the deadline for making a claim or two miss the deadline for making your defense because you've posted it and it's stuck in the post somewhere if you want to obviously do things online then you can complete the online defence form, which is again on the .gov.uk website under Courts, Tribunals and Appeals. And if you type in being taken to an employment tribunal, you'll find it. And you can, as a defendant, so someone who's responding to the claim, either do it online by returning it by post, or you can download the file, fill it out and then email it to the relevant employment tribunal office. But again, my advice would be to complete the online form. It's fairly simple in the same way as making the claim. You will have a form where you're asked to confirm information about the employee's employment. So you'll be asked to confirm if what the employee has said about their hours and pay and notice is all correct. So just general bits and pieces about their employment. And then you'll have the opportunity to include details about your defense of the claim and why you're defending it. Now again, the same thing applies in relation to the defence. In my view, it's much easier and simpler, both in terms of submitting the defence and also dealing with it later on, if you complete the grounds for resistance or grounds for defence in a separate Word document with numbered paragraphs. And at the top of the page, on the first page, I would put the details of the employee's name your details, and the claim reference number, which you will have received with the documents. So when you submit your claim to the Employment Tribunal, you won't have a claim reference number, but when you submit a defence, you will have received that from the Employment Tribunal because it will have been allocated when the claim was accepted. So again, the reason for including all those details on the top of the first page of your grounds for defence is so that it can be mapped to the relevant file. Again, if you submit it in a Word document, you'd have to convert it to an RTF file and attach it to the online claim form and submit. And the same thing goes in terms of retaining a copy and making sure that everything has been submitted correctly. Although it's not as crucial in terms of the defence, it is important that you include the key information and make sure that that grounds for defence has actually been received. Now what do you actually put in your grounds for defense? Well it does depend on the amount of information that's included in the claim form and sometimes if you've got a very limited claim form it can be very difficult to set out a full defense because you don't know exactly what you're defending. In those circumstances it's a good idea to put some general information as much as you can in relation to the defense but also to state within your defense that you need to obtain further and better particulars of the employee's claim and that you reserve the right to add to your grounds for defence later on. Often employees don't include enough information about what they're claiming. They might just tick the box to say discrimination or they might just say in their details of claim uh, age discrimination. Without understanding more about exactly what it is they're alleging, you can't really defend that. You can of course give the background information to what's taken place and then you can also give a blanket defence which is we refute any claims and will strongly defend them and deny any allegations in relation to that. But it is probably a good idea to add into the form that you reserve the right to amend the defence when you have further and better particulars of the claim. Now having an understanding of the law when you're composing the defence is is not crucial but it is recommended that you understand exactly what the legal basis of the original claims are by the employee and then any basis of defence. So for example, there are some claims for discrimination which you can defend on the basis that you can justify them uh, and therefore you want to make sure that you're including enough information about the reasons for your actions and why you're defending the claims. Again like with the claim form if you are going to be defending the case yourself and not seeking legal representation it is a good idea to at least get some advice on the defence and the merits of defence and the basis that you're going to defend the claims at the earliest opportunity so that again you're getting the foundations right. Because with both the claim form and the defence it's what the employment tribunal will refer back to throughout the case because it forms the basis of the case. Yes, you add to it with evidence. Yes, you add witness statements later on. But really, the fundamentals of what's taken place are contained within the claim and the defence. Then once you have submitted your defence online, uh, you'll receive an acknowledgement from the Employment Tribunal, a receipt to say it's been received, and then further information from the Employment Tribunal once they've reviewed and accepted the defence and sent a copy to the individual. In the next episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the next stages once the claim and defence have been submitted. But there are a couple of things I just want to round off in relation to dealing with the claim and defence. And that is the level of detail that you include I know I've talked about making sure that you include enough information so that the claims can be identified and you can set out your defence clearly. But what you've got to remember is it's not a witness statement. So you don't have to put every single thing that took place and every single thing you're going to use in evidence to defend it or to bring the claim. And equally, you don't have to include evidence. Again, I often see Individuals or businesses who are acting for themselves attach copies of evidence to the claim form or the defence. And that's not necessary at this stage. You don't have to put the evidence in there. I like to think of it as being the skeleton, the skeleton to the case. The skeleton is the starting point. And then you add to it with the evidence, so the flesh and the meat on the bones, if you like, with the evidence, and then the subsequently with the witness evidence. So whilst you need to have a good balance of enough information to be able to understand what the case is about, you don't need to go overboard and write essentially a witness statement. Now, the other thing I'm often asked is, should I send a copy of the claim form to the employer once it's submitted? Now, because of the current delays in the employment tribunal, and in some offices it can take six, eight, 12 weeks from submission of a claim to it then being received by the employer to then do their defence so then they have another month. So there can be significant delays between putting your claim in and the employer actually finding out that you've put the claim in and therefore once they receive the claim they only have 28 days in which to defend it and put together their defence. So sometimes tactically, particularly if you have a very strong case It's worth sending the employer a copy of the claim form and the details of the claim when you submit it to the employment tribunal so that they have time to consider it and then some time to try to negotiate or settle the case before they have to submit their defence. If the employer is getting legal representation, then they will have to incur significant costs and time in defending it. And therefore there might not be enough time for them to really consider that and consider the claims that you're making from receipt to when they have to submit it if it's only received and they've got 28 days to do so. So allowing yourself that opportunity to let them know you've submitted the claim but you're open to negotiations will give a bit more time to try and settle it so that you don't have to go further than making the claim in the employment tribunal. So hopefully that's a helpful introduction to both individuals and businesses who may be defending or making a claim in the employment tribunal. I will be bringing you more step-by-step guides on the employment tribunal process in the next episode but in the meantime if you have any questions or you'd like any advice or assistance with an employment tribunal claim then please don't hesitate to get in touch. My email is Allison at and myself and my colleagues would be very happy to assist you. I hope that you have a fantastic two weeks ahead and I look forward to speaking to you again in two weeks time.